Hello and welcome to the Bundaberg Now podcast, brought to you by Bundaberg Regional Council. This podcast is all about showcasing news, events and people in our beautiful region. I'm your host, Genevieve Lyons, and on today's show, we have Adele Moore speaking to the amazing underwater photographer Tracy Olive about Queensland's newest dive site, the ex-HMAS Tobruk. Bundaberg Now's Craig Ross speaks with Stephen Bradbury about the new Last Man Standing beer, and we hear about the latest weed removal project at Elliott Heads. But first, here's a quick recap from this week's top news stories. A report from December 2020 revealed that the Wide Bay saw its largest number of recorded jobs since July 2012, with a total of 120,900 jobs now in the region. This is an 8.9% increase in the number of jobs compared to December 2019. Here's Yale Morgan, President of the Bundaberg Chamber of Commerce, with more. There is certainly a lot of activity uh, going on in our region, which is very exciting. Uh, you know, we're seeing in various uh, industries and sectors some increase. Those industries, uh, you know, still retail is, is going OK, uh, reasonably strong. Uh, you know, we're seeing that resurgence in the uh, tourism and hospitality. Uh, we're also seeing uh, an increase in construction, uh, both commercial and uh, certainly residential. Queensland Governor His Excellency the Honourable Paul de Jersey visited Bundaberg on Tuesday and Wednesday and planted trees in support of Council's One Million Trees initiative. It's, it's wonderful to have the opportunity to plant a couple of trees in Bundaberg and Gingin over the next couple of days. It's a way that the community can return to nature um, what it deserves. And uh, a million trees, it's, it's, it's a big commitment, but it'll be wonderful if, if that can be achieved, and I'm sure it will. Over 2,320 students from Bundaberg Christian College, Bundaberg State High School and St Luke's Anglican School have all been armed with online safety skills after taking part in Optus's digital thumbprint program. The free in-school program supports young people to be safe, responsible and positive online. And that's the weekly news wrap. Today on the podcast, Adele Moore speaks with Tracy Olive, an amazing underwater photographer based in Bundaberg. She's here to speak to us about the ex-HMAS Tobruk wreck, as this weekend marks the two-year anniversary since the first charter scuba divers visited, and she wants us to know just how amazing this new dive site is. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you. So can you tell us a bit about your first dive on the wreck? Well, the first dive on the wreck was really exciting. Um, I was only just advanced scuba dive when I start, went to do this dive, but went with 11 scuba instructors, so I felt very safe. Um, we went down the line and the ship appeared and I had only barely seen it from the marina on land a couple of times and didn't really understand the extent of its size underwater. So straight away I was in absolute awe, absolute awe of this great big structure under the water. Great. And now two years later, how much has it sort of become part of the ocean environment? It has really become such an amazing part of the environment. Nature has taken it over. It's allowed growth of all forms of algae, shells, the fish, there's octopus, there's scorpion fish, there's eels, there's uncountable things you see on a dive on the on the Tobruk. Great. And what is it? The Tobruk is an ex-Navy ship. 
It was scuttled off the coast of Bundaberg two and a half years ago. Um, it did have a little bit of con- controversy involved with its scuttling because it is laying on its side. But it's equally, I believe, an amazing dive site. But despite that, despite that, it's it's an amazing place to be under the water. Great. So can you tell us about the actual structure itself, how big it is and how deep it is? Um, I believe it's about 128 metres long, the Tobruk. Big boat, big, big ship under the water, and it lays at about 30 metres deep. Great. So it's more of an advanced dive. Definitely an advanced dive. Um, there are nooks and crannies to explore the great big tank deck that you can swim in and out and it is a little technical if you haven't dived before on a wreck this deep yes you should have an advanced certificate to be able to say that you're um, safe under the water great and um so it's two years since you first dove it what are some of the differences have you noticed down there well, the first time we did dive it i was absolutely overwhelmed by the amount of growth already on it. There were crustaceans growing all over the deck and there were also crustaceans that had filled the cavities of the deck. So I'm not completely sure if I am correct, but the crustaceans, as they grew and got heavier, they then fell off and died and then they are then creating their own rubble on the ground and in the crevices and flat parts of the Tobruk as well as underneath on the sand. So there's lots of shells and things right on the bottom and it's just a part of nature's process, I believe. Great. So it's become its own little habitat out in the middle of the ocean. Yes, it is just a amazing little biodiverse underwater world. So there's the crustaceans, there's the algae, and then the little fish came and they started eating all that stuff that had been grown. And, of course, the small fish bring the big fish and then the bigger fish and the bigger fish. So you've got small fish, you've got big fish. What else can people see out there? Um, We have a little turtle, a little juvenile green sea turtle. Um, We named her Brookie. My daughter's name is Brooke and it's the Tobruk, so she got the name Brookie, so, which is quite sweet for me. Yeah, great. So <laughs> yeah. she's really friendly? She is amazingly friendly. For a wild animal, she is very wanting to interact with any diver. She seems to have some favourites, which I hope is me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I, we don't really know why, but she really likes to rub herself on us she has quite a few barnacles on her back and we maybe think that she's trying to rub those barnacles off. But, of course, we don't ter- talk turtles, so we don't really know. So we lap up her attention. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. So you say there's um, a fair bit of growth on the wreck itself. What do you think that's going to turn into over the next few years as it's sort of more encrusted, I guess? Yeah, well, I'm really hoping that as the Great Barrier Reef spawns that some of the hard corals will attach themselves to the wreck there's a lot of parrotfish out there so the parrotfish they chew the algae off which leaves a nice um, clean surface that uh, a coral polyp can then attach to and then grow so without those parrotfish that's not possible so it's really a healthy ecosystem that is happening there that's that that could be possible um, there's a lot of soft corals they're already growing there the water is nutrient rich 
There's so many particles and it's one of the reasons why the scientists decided to put it where it is, is so that the nutrient-rich water feeds all the animals, feeds the corals, encourages the growth and creating this this amazing underwater world. Right. So you're an underwater photographer and is this one of your favourite sites to photograph? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I um, am self-taught. So it's challenging when I go and photograph there. So I have learnt to use my strobes better. <laughs> Wouldn't say completely properly, but I've, I, every time I go I read something somewhere and then I start to practice it underwater. Um, there's usually so much life and so much going on that sometimes I don't get it right because I'm so in awe of what is happening in the water rather than worrying about the settings on the back of my camera. So. Yeah, it's, it is one of my favourite places. So if people want to go and see the Trabook for themselves, how do they do that? So Lady Musgrave Experience, which is based in beautiful Bundaberg, um, they take trips out depending on the weather and how many divers from the port. It's a whole day trip out. Yeah, go, yeah. Yep, yep. Good food, good company, good divers. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't got your advanced ticket well julian bundaberg aqua scuba he can do all that with you so that you can go and experience the wreck so it's not a thing that you can't because you haven't got the right tickets because you can absolutely get that in bundaberg as well great that sounds like such an amazing adventure um thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today it was great to have a chat with you no worries thank you Craig Ross from bundaberg now had a chat with Stephen bradbury about the new last man standing beer Thanks. Thanks for your time today, mate. Um, obviously, speaking to you mostly about uh, the, the new uh, Last Man Standing Australian Lager. Um, I guess given the name of it, mate, you've, um, you've kept your sense of humour about the 2002 gold medal. Yeah, Last Man Standing. We thought it was a pretty obvious name for the beer and a good name for a beer too. But yeah, we also have the hair on the tortoise on our logo, which is a little bit about taking the piss out of myself. But also about encouraging responsible drinking because you don't want to be the hare and go too hard too early. You've got to pace yourself, not make a fool of yourself and, uh, and be the tortoise. Great. And, yeah, I love the, the, the double meaning to the name. It's, uh, it's clever branding. Yeah, well, we, we had some uh, clever people help us with that too, so it wasn't all my idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, yes, I guess you, 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 know, you teamed with the brothers, uh, Damien and, and Stephen Prosser, uh, to produce the beer. How did that all come about? Well, their, their dad, his name was Roy Prosser, he used to play for the Wallabies back in the 70s and after his rugby career he became one of the head honchos at Carlton United Breweries. Uh, him and I became sort of unlikely mates and then I became mates with his sons as well and we love beer, we love a beer while we're watching sport, uh, we're mates and we all thought well one day let's all do our own beer together and unfortunately big Roy passed away about 12 years ago and his sons and I continued the conversation but never did anything about it and eventually after talking about it for a decade decided that we didn't want to live with the regret so we, we're doing our beer with passion we're doing it through friendship and we're doing it through the memory of Big Roy oh, that's fantastic yeah that's that's a great story I wasn't expecting that behind it all so I guess yeah now that uh, you're not having to co- compete as an athlete um, yeah you're obviously uh, promoting uh, 
responsible drinking, but it must be nice to be able to enjoy a beer whenever you like now. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife might tell you that um, sometimes I need to have one or two less. But, uh, <laughs> mate, uh, I do enjoy relaxing and having a beer after a hard day's work, and I think that's part of the uh, Australian tradition. You know, we, we work hard and then we relax, and for me as a as a speed skater, you know, I trained my guns out for, for 14 years before I became an overnight success. And, you know, I think we're all entitled to uh, to sit back and, and have a look at the things we've done over a beer sometimes. Oh, that sounds reasonable, I think. So, uh, um, I, I guess speaking of your success, uh, your overnight success in inverted commas, um, yeah, the, I guess there's the, the saying now, doing a Bradbury is, is part of the... Australian vernacular, but uh, how, how do you feel about that? I love it. Every time I hear it, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. and It's great that I've been able to be remembered and also able to, I think, influence people usually in a positive way in that if people are prepared to try really hard at something for a long time, then they can put themselves in position to get a little bit lucky. And I'm probably the, the luckiest individual Olympic gold medalist in history. But that, that, that didn't change the fact that I was the one there to capitalise when the competition all made mistakes. And I think the, the average person is is able to, to draw some similarities to that in their own life where when you look at a superstar athlete like, you know, Michael Phelps or Kelly Slater, they can't draw any similarities with somebody who's that darn good. But... <laughs> with a speed skater from Brisbane who wasn't a world beater but trained his guts out for 14 years, yeah, they can, they can draw some similar similarities to that. So, you know, if my story is able to inspire a few Aussies to try a bit harder in what they do, then I say go out there and do your own version of a Bradbury. What are you waiting for? <laughs> Great point. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, as much as it was a memorable uh, style of victory, uh, I think you might be underselling yourself a little bit because I'll need your help here. But from memory, weren't you quite a strong contender uh, at the previous Olympics as well? Or were going to be, but then you had an injury upset you or something like that? We all have that background, don't we? But yeah, I was competing in my fourth Olympics when uh, when I was had a bit of luck and got the gold medal. But in previous games, especially at, at Lillehammer in, in Norway, that was eight years before the gold. I was actually in the in a relay team then, and we got bronze, which was Australia's first Winter Olympic medal. Uh, unfortunately, nobody remembers bronze. But, uh, yeah, I was the favourite, or one of the big favourites, to win the 1,000 metres at that Olympics as well, and a guy knocked me over in the first round of the competition. That's, uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, and you know, I, I didn't give up, and funnily enough, when I wasn't one of the favourites to get the gold medal, uh, I like to think that Maybe I did right by people through most of my life and I played hard but played fair and built up a few karma points over the years and cashed them all in at once. Yeah, why not? Yeah, no, you gotta, gotta take that, you know, cause luck obviously went against you earlier. So you gotta, at least you got to cash in when uh, luck went your way that time. All right. I guess, uh, back to, back to the, uh, the lager, last man uh, standing Australia lager. Um, so what's it like? What's, what's the beer like? Uh, why, why should we be out there trying it? Well, you should come and see me at uh, Bundaberg at Murphy's yes. on Friday between 3 and 6 p.m. and you can come and try one for yourself for free. It's an easy drinking lager, Yep. 4.5%. Uh, 
unpasteurized, unfiltered, no preservatives. So that equals fresh, tasty beer. It's not a craft beer at all. It's bitter through the drink with a hint of malt in the aftertaste. It has no fruit or other corruption in it. It's a beer that actually tastes like a beer with a full-flavoured, malty aftertaste. So I believe it's the best lager ever brewed, but I'm a little bit biased, so get yourself down to Dan Murphy's and try it to yourself. It took us a long time to get the recipe exactly the way we wanted it. And I think 9 out of 10 beer drinkers are going to enjoy our beer. Uh, if you know your beers technically well, our beer is very close to a Pilsner. So it's like a, an old-fashioned, traditional-style lager that they used to make back in Germany and Czechoslovakia hundreds of years ago. The objective is for us, three blokes having a crack in the most competitive industry imaginable, but we're Australian-owned and Australian-made, and none of the other beer companies can say that anymore. They're all owned offshore, and I think on the back of this whole COVID thing, Aussies have got to support Aussies a bit more, so hopefully some people can come and have a crack at some Aussie-owned beer that's bloody tasty as well and isn't going to break the bank at 58 bucks a carton either. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time and um, yeah, best of luck with the, the rest of the, the trip. And like I said, see you Friday. Now we hear from the Parks team about the weed removal at Elliott Heads and the upcoming planting day on Saturday, 27th of February. The Bundaberg region features over 150 kilometres of coastline and the coastline is really varied. We go from lots of rocky outcrops to small sandy pocket beaches to long sandy beaches down at Elliott Heads, we have an interesting dune system that runs along the entry to the Elliott River. This dune system is actually really young, which makes it quite unique. Back before the 1970s, the water actually used to come right up against the cliff there. And over the last 50 or so years, the sand has built up building this very young dune system. One of the issues that we have at, at Elliott Heads being a relatively new dune, we also have extensive weeds in that area. A lot of these weeds come from um, local gardens, we call them garden escapees, and over time those weeds take over some of the area and that's what we've seen at Elliott Heads. So late last year our team decided to tackle this weed issue, so we're working together with the land protection officers to remove a lot of the weeds. So a lot of these weeds were introduced into the gardens. Um, plants like lantana have a really pretty flower and unfortunately once they're in the natural environment they grow really wildly and can take over areas and outcompete the native dune vegetation. With the initiation of this project we've had a lot of strong community interest which is really exciting to hear that the community are really keen uh, to see the area cleaned up from weeds and revegetated. Um, we've had one community event where we invited the community members along on a Saturday morning to do some hand removal of weeds and we removed over 60 kilograms of weeds that morning. We're also inviting community members along this Saturday from 8 till 10 uh, to do some weeding and also to plant some low-lying dune vegetation. We're just meeting at the first beach access between the community hall and the kiosk and we welcome all community members to come down on the day even if you don't have any experience in these kinds of activities. So I mentioned earlier about garden escapees, so plants that look lovely in your garden but are actually weeds in the natural environment. So Council has a program called the Plant Swap Program. So if you have any of these large weed species such as the broadleaf pepper or the Brazilian cherry, if you remove that weed, Council will actually provide you with a voucher for a free tree to replace that, that plant in your yard. So this is one of 
a number of projects that are currently being undertaken by the Natural Areas team. Uh, we look after not just the coastline, but also the nature reserves throughout the region. We're a really passionate team and we really care about the environment and also providing the opportunity for the community to come into the environment and ex experience such a, a beautiful region that we have. If you'd like some more information about the community event on Saturday or about our plant swap program, call the council on our 1300 883 699. That's all for today. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Join me again next week for more news and stories from across our beautiful region. Bye for now.